Hey guys, it's Simeon. This is Wrestling Unlimited. As we are here on the 21st of October 2021 to talk about everything that went down tonight at not tonight, today, this morning at WWE Crown Jewel. And I'm gonna say right now, I actually thought pretty dang good show. I like basically everything on the show. There were things that I can nitpick at. But isn't that with everything? But I think overall, today's show was pretty dang good. I really, really enjoyed this. This is probably the best Saudi show they've ever done. And yeah, I think we got a treat this morning. That's what I will call it. We got a good treat this morning from the WWE. Can't say that often, but we did. But with that, I want to say thank you for joining me here. Twitch.tv forward slash PWUnlimited, YouTube.com forward slash Pro Wrestling Unlimited, and Twitter.com forward slash PWUnlimited. I do want to state right off the bat, all proceeds, any money made off of this podcast, any money made off of Super Chats, any money made off of bits on Twitch, donations on Twitch, and so forth, all will be given to a good cause. It will all be donated to a good cause for this crown jewel podcast. So I will say that, that everything we do make off of this podcast will be donated to a good cause. And you say, well, how can I help out? Well, a number of different ways you can on Twitch, hit that donate button down below, or you can donate Twitch bits in the live chat, but also you can subscribe to the channel. All new subscriptions today will go to donation. The money that we make from the new subscriptions. And how can you subscribe? You can subscribe one of two different ways. You can subscribe either with a tiered subscription or you could be like Big Mel, Bill, Big Mel Walter and subscribe with Amazon Prime. How? Well, if you are already paying old Jeff Bezos for Amazon Prime, whether that's for Prime shipping, whether that's for the... What's it called? Prime Video. Well, you have a Prime account. Take that Prime account, link it to your Twitch account. Bing! Boom. Prime Gaming account. Prime Gaming accounts give you free games. Some good ones this month. Free in-app purchase stuff for different games like Valorant and League of Legends and so forth. And always, always one free subscription to any Twitch channel you want to subscribe to. And I'd greatly appreciate it if you subscribe to us right here for Wrestling Unlimited. Now, on the flip side, if you're watching over on YouTube, you can help us out by donating a super chat or a super sticker in the live chat. Remember, all of those will be going to charity today. But also, you can subscribe to the channel and become a member of the Unlimited Army by hitting that join button right down below. Excuse me, right down below. By doing so, you get early access to news, early access to non-news videos, early access to podcast episodes, and so much more. Plus, remember, if you buy anything on the Epic Store, whether that is Fortnite V-Bucks, whether that is skins for Rocket League, or just any game, like Back for Blood, or God of War, which is coming to, coming to a PC soon, well, over on the left-hand side, right-hand side, as you're checking out, it's going to say, you have the Epic Creator Code. If you do, put in code PWUnlimited. We get a little kickback from that. It doesn't cost you anything extra. You're already paying your, what, $7.99 for your battle pass or you're paying your 30 bucks for your game. Well, we get a percentage of that sale if you use code P 
EW Unlimited at checkout. But with that, guys, we've got the show to talk about, which actually started on the kickoff, and it was the Usos against the Hurt Business, the Jack Alexander and Shelton Benjamin, in an non-title match. And let's talk about Hurt Business really fast. Like, they're called the Hurt Business. They wear the Hurt Business gear. But other than today and the Big E title match, they're never with, with Bobby. Like, Bobby's cutting these promos on on. Goldberg and stuff over the last couple of weeks, and he's just by himself. You would think, you would think that, like, when he came out a couple of, what was it, two weeks ago and cut that promo on Goldberg in the ring, they would be flanked with him. No. You would think a couple of weeks ago when it was him and Goldberg, they'd be with, no. Did they wear the gear? They came out and helped them tonight, so I don't know. I don't know, but this match, something was off. Because they were missing stuff. Kicks that were just so obviously not hitting. And like super kicks that were like this far off. Or it was like a kick and it's like boom. And it was like, whoa, Jimmy, Jay, what are you doing? And you think, oh, Usos, Shelton, Cedric, they'll give you a great solid match. No, for some reason, there was some weird stuff in this match. Where in the end, the Usos did win. I didn't really pay too much attention to this match. Again, it's pre-show match. And I was trying to get other things together because it was bumfuck early. And I haven't slept. Stayed up. Watched the G1. Unfortunate for, for Ibushi. I don't know exactly what happened, but he hurt himself somehow. And they had to just end the fucking match. At first, it looked like he may have broke his arm. Then it looked like his shoulder. Then it looked like maybe his wrist. And then he was grabbing his elbow. Well, I don't know what's going on with the Ibushi. But yeah. Okada won the G1. Going forward, the main card kicked off. Edge versus Seth Rollins inside Hell in a Cell. And if I had to rate this match, I'd give it five stars. Like, I usually don't do the whole stars for, for matches and stuff, but I'd give this match five stars. This match was phenomenal. Match was just excellent. Rollins and Edge. We've had weird chemistry in the past. They say that they, oh, this all started seven years ago. Yes and no. It's all started seven years ago with the whole bit, but it wasn't like seven years ago they were trying to make something happen here. It was just kind of like, oh, hey, let's see what, let's use Edge with Seth. Also, here's my other thing. They called this the end of the trilogy. Okay. It's the end of the trilogy. But WWE calling matches a trilogy really doesn't mean anything anymore when we see rematches four or five six times like how many times have we seen um who was it the Usos and the Street Profits they did like four matches in less than a month and a half so that the quadruplet of matches and now they're over because the Street Profits are moving brands you gotta call them that's the finale of the quad of matches or whatever no so when they say it's the finale of their trilogy, it it doesn't mean anything to me when we see like Liv Morgan and Carmella. One of they've wrestled like six times, seven times this year in the second half of the year. So I don't know. But regardless, this match was really, really good. Edge immediately took Rollins into the corner. They didn't do any like slow build up to start fighting. 
Literally, Edge started on one side. Seth was standing in the middle of the ring, and Edge just went at him. Rollins, though, connected with a springboard knee that took Edge to the floor early. Edge cut Rollins off and threw him into the cage, then into the steps of ringside. Edge introduced two chairs and planted Rollins on one with the execution DDT for a near fall. Edge took out a piece of the took off a piece of the chair and went for the crossface. Rollins grabbed the piece and took it from Edge, basically stopping the crossface. Rollins gained control and threw Edge around the cell. He went to get weapons from under the ring, but Edge came back with a baseball slide. Seth cut off Edge and started to set up for a concerto, but Edge locked in a crossface. Seth crawled over and grabbed a piece of the chair that was introduced earlier and stabbed Edge in, I want to say, the left eye. Rollins then landed a frog splash and got a two off of it. Rollins then introduced a table into the match and planted Edge with an unprettier or a kill slush, whatever you want to call the move, for a near fall. Rollins went for something off the top rope, but as he was perched up there, he was. this was a phenomenal spot. So Rollins is perched up on the top rope, kind of like a frog, like looking like he's about to get froggy. And Edge comes up from behind and pushes him off the top rope. Remember how, keep in mind how high up Seth is right now, about halfway up this cage. Seth then ping-pongs or pinballs himself off of the cage. He smacks into the side of the cage and then... Boom! Crashes down through the table that he had set up earlier. I thought that was one of the better, you know, Hell in a Cell table spots that I've ever seen. It's a very creative spot where Seth not only just was pushed off the top rope and crashed through a table, we've seen that plenty of times, but pushed off the top rope into the cell and then crashed through the table. Also, I feel like I'm going to sneeze, so give me a moment. Going away. I don't know what's happening. Okay, that might come back. But I loved this spot. I thought this was very creative and clever. And, you know, you've had, they said this was the 50th Hell in a Cell match in WWE history. You had 50 Hell in a Cell matches or 49 before this, and you're still coming up with new stuff? That's phenomenally awesome. You're still coming up with new ideas. 50 matches in. And not only just this, we've had. You know, Hell in a Cell matches where the, the, the cell and the cage are involved. Regular cage matches. Elimination Chamber matches. So it's like doing things that we haven't seen before in these type of cage matches is great. And it just shows that these guys are still thinking and not going, all right, so uh, what spot do we need? Oh, we need a, we need a table spot? Okay, you're just going to fall off the top rope. No, no, we're not. Launch you into the cage, then you're going to fall off the top rope. I love it. So, eventually, Rollins would try to get to his feet. He got over to the steel steps, and Edge cut Rollins off with an Edge-O-Matic. Edge then flew off the top rope with the chair, sending it crashing into Rollins' uh, Rollins abdomen. Edge went for a spear, but Rollins hit a super kick. Then, he hit a pedigree for a near fall. Edge then hit a buckle bomb, and then a spear. Yes, Edge hit a buckle bomb into a spear, but Rollins kicked out. Edge brought in a table, but also found himself an old friend, the ladder. Edge went to whip Rollins into the ladder, but Rollins reversed it and sent Edge into the ladder in the ring. Seth then set Edge on a table and went up the ladder. Edge, though, recovered and climbed up the, climbed up the other side of the ladder. 
Edge then went for a suplex. And this was a great spot. Edge went for a suplex, and Rollins cut him off and connected with a sunset flip off the ladder through the table for another great near fall. Rollins himself got out of the ring and was looking for a bunch of weapons, and he one, at one point threw a toolkit into the ring. Edge got back to his feet. Rollins then hit multiple super kicks, called back to the Madison Square Garden show, and then Rollins found himself a chain in that toolbox or that tool bag. He wrapped the chain around his foot, and I thought, oh, stop. Nope. Super kick to the face with a chain wrapped around his boot. Again, shit we have never seen before, at least that I've never seen before. I've never seen someone wrap a chain around their boot and hit a super kick because a super kick is a very redundant move nowadays. But to figure out a way to do it differently, even though it's basically the same move, but you're just adding a little something, just like the... The Matt Jackson spotted all out when he put the tacks on the bottom of the boot and then, or the shoe, and then hit the super kick. These guys are still coming up with new and inventive ways to basically do the same moves and spots we've seen, but more creatively. So he hits the boot or the, the super kick. Goes for it again, and Edge gets out of the way and uses a chair as a for a, for basically a low blow on Rollins. Edge then would use the chain to choke Rollins. Edge would then put Rollins in a crossface and didn't have his little bar from the chair. So what does he do? He grabs a freaking wrench and puts that across the face of Seth with the crossface. Rollins was all but about to submit, and then Edge just drops the hold. Just stops and goes, he's all mad and looks around and grabs a chair, places it under Rollins' head, hits Rollins with a curb stomp, and then pins him to pick up the victory. But I thought the match, even though I'm going to criticize something here, I thought the match was five stars, five out of five. But it was just a little weird that he goes, oh, I'm going to make him tap. I'm going to make him, never mind. I want to hit this one last spot. I forgot to get one. It almost made it seem like, oh, crap. I forgot to get this spot in. Let's just make that the finish or something. I don't know. It was a little weird, but the match was so great that even with that little criticism of that feeling weird, I still loved the freaking match. Ed slowly got to his feet. The crowd erupted in cheers. And Pyro went off. Also, also, I think this is the best crowd we've ever had for a WWE Saudi show. I'll say it right now. I think this was the best crowd as far as participation and being into everything. Next up, we had Mansoor against Mustafa Ali. And it's like, did we even have to think? Who's winning this match? Oh, Mansoor. He had a good match, though. Crowd was super into the hometown boy, Mansoor. As soon as he comes out, they say, formerly of Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. And I go, cool. The two traded offensive moves early. Mansoor hit a standing moonsault and a drop kick that sent Ali to the floor. Ali came back into the ring, but was met by chops from Mansoor, who sent him again once out back to the floor. Ali then finally gained control by using the ring apron to trip up Mansoor as he was on the apron. Back in the ring, Ali used a camel clutch on Mansoor in the middle of the ring. Mansoor powered out of this, and Ali connected with a tornado DDT. Mansoor then started to make a small, slight comeback 
Brawley begged off in the corner. Mansoor then ignored it, hit a big lariat, then sent him out of the ring. Ali, that is. Mansoor went for a dive. Brawley hit him with a drop kick. He would then miss a 450 splash in the ring as Mansoor, Ali missed the 450 splash. Mansoor connected with a moonsault. Ali locked, uh, locked his legs over Mansoor's neck for a submission attempt, but Mansoor made it to the ropes. Ali then went for another 450 splash, but this time Mansoor went to the, went to the apron, landed a springboard neckbreaker, and then pinned Ali to pick up the victory. The hometown boys, you know, celebrating in the ring. Yeah, we won. We got it. And then he gets attacked by Ali. Ali beats him down in the corner. Mansoor's kind of looking at him like, what are you doing? What? The match is over. And then a mystery man comes out. And I go, what the hell? Who is this? This guy comes out, he's got the wrap around his face and everything, and he's slowly making his way down to the ring. He's wearing a red karate belt and whatnot, and I go, new guy? One-time thing? Well, what, what's going on here? And so he finally gets into the ring, and he unclasps the wrap, which was more of the eyes. Unclasps the wrap again, drops it, takes the hood off, and I'm still like, New guy, who are you? And the crowd erupts. And Michael Cole lets us know that it is actually the man that won the silver medal in karate this past year in the Olympics. And I go, oh, that's cool. This is not for us at home. This is not for us in America. This was something to hype up that crowd live because he's from there. He represented them in the Olympics. And yeah. I thought it was an okay thing. I thought it was pretty cool that they did this for the live audience. But again, I thought it went on a little too long because it's kind of just like, do it and get it. And you're done. And I know that might sound like, oh, but it's not for you. It's for the live crowds. Let the live crowd soak it in. True. So him and Ali are looking at each other. Mansoor's in the corner like, oh, what is about to happen? Ali runs at the guy. The guy kicks Ali right in the dome. And he helps Mansoor up and the two celebrate in the ring. Cool. I guess his name's like Tarek Hamid. He was a silver medalist and I think it was Tokyo. I mean, Taekwondo in Tokyo. Cool. I thought this was, again, good for the live crowd for sure. They then let us know that WWE is all about communities and giving back and helping others. And they do that with their Be A Star rally campaign. And today they hosted the first ever Be A Star rally campaign in Saudi Arabia. They had Natty there. They had Titus O'Neil there, which they only brought him for this stuff. Also, and we're talking about bringing people for something. Anyways, and it was cool. They had Drew McIntyre and Bianca and a bunch of other people were at this little rally. But speaking of bringing people to Saudi Arabia, but not even using them on the show, fucking Undertaker. Yesterday, we learned that Undertaker's in Saudi Arabia. He actually came out on a stage and um, what's the word I'm looking for? And um, introduced Pitbull at his concert. So I go, oh, well, maybe that's just something they set up because he was there for WWE. Didn't do anything for WWE. Apparently, he had his own private jet and he flew out there for this. And that was it. He just went out there to introduce Pitbull. I don't even know if he was still there today. Very, very interesting. Um, Warm Hedgehog, I don't know if that's something you're just predicting or 
if that's actually been reported, but I'm not going to read it because I don't know anything about that. And if it's fake, I don't want to say it. From everything I've heard, uh, don't believe so. Next up, we had a match that I was a little disappointed in, an RK-Bro against AJ and Omos with the Raw Tag Team titles on the line. I thought this match was just, hey, let's get this match going. Let's get this match through. Let's get this match done. These guys are going to have a decent match, but it's not going to be anything like special. I thought the match at uh, SummerSlam was better. But, interestingly enough, AJ and almost come out first. And then out comes Randy and Riddle. Randy walks out. Riddle walks out, walks out with his scooter. All of a sudden he goes, wait, Randy, Randy, hold on, hold on. And he goes to the back. And AJ starts yelling, where is he going? What's going on here? And Randy's like, what the hell's going on? What the what? And all of a sudden, the camera pans over to the left, and it's Riddle on a freaking camel. So we knew they had camels there. Because yesterday we had video, uh, which nobody else had, exclusive video for us. We had video of you know them bringing the camels into the stadium. And then they showed at the beginning of the show, the camels at the bottom of the uh, stage. And they go, Camels are just for aesthetic? No. They had like three or four camels there. But Riddle rode one. Riddle rode a freaking camel down to the ring. This is actually, wow. Orton was very confused by this, but also seemed slightly amused. Orton and Riddle had control of this match early. Orton went for an RKO, but AJ escaped. AJ was able to tag in Omos, who quickly cut off Riddle after Riddle accidentally threw AJ back into his own corner. So, as Cesaro has the swing, AJ or, or Riddle has the gut wrench spin, where he grabs you in a gut wrench position, spins around, and then ooh, throws you over his head. Very, very impressive spot. So almost gets tagged in, and he quickly takes down Riddle. Orton was tagged in, but almost also took him down. Almost did some big guy stuff, including walking over Orton before tagging AJ back in briefly before getting back in again and applying a shoulder claw. Riddle and Styles then went at it, and they were just going at it like a thousand miles a minute. <laughs> big offense, big offense, big offense, really quick. Styles at one point hit Riddle with a Pele kick, but Riddle soon connected with a knee. Orton then shoved Styles into Omos, but almost quickly recovered. Riddle grabbed Omos's knee and took him to the floor as Styles went for the phenomenal forearm. Orton cut him off with an RKO, and then Riddle landed the floating bro and picked up the victory. So, RK bro retained the titles. In the back, Kevin Patrick interviewed Becky Lynch. She said tonight was a night to remember. People will remember her walking out the champion. Then we had the finals of the Queen's Crown Tournament. This match went five minutes and 50 seconds, not even six whole minutes. So it was Zelina Vega against Dewdrop. Um, give me one second. I've got a message here I need to check. I hope this is not true.
Um, okay, okay, okay. I asked a question about something that happened on the show. And I got a no. Everything's all good. Okay, so. Vega got in Dewdrop's face early and kind of shoved her. What does Dewdrop do? Shoves her back. Vega went for a dive at one point, then tried to counter a sunset flip, but Dewdrop easily cut her off, landing an elbow. She went for something off the top rope, but Vega cut her off and hit a nice-looking tornado DDT for a near fall. Vega then slightly kind of locked in a dragon sleeper, but Dewdrop powered out of it. And then connected with the clothesline, knocking down Vega. Dewdrop then went for a cannonball, but Vega dodged and connected with a code breaker. Dewdrop came back with a spinning side slam. Dewdrop followed this up with a senton elbow, but missed a splash. Vega then came back and hit a silly looking code red, like barely got that code red flip over, which is all on Dewdrop actually, kinda. And picked up the victory though. So Zelina Vega is the first ever Queen's Crown Tournament winner. After the match, she walked up, grabbed the robe, put on the crown, grabbed the scepter, and the announcers, which was Greg Hamilton, said, All hail Queen Zelina! And there you go. A woman that's maybe won two matches all year. No, four. Zelina Vega... So listen to this. Lena Vega returned to WWE earlier this year after being released back in December, November time. And she has won. Counting one, two, three matches before this. The two in the tournament. And then one match before this where she beat Liv Morgan. Other than that, Zelina hadn't won, like before this tournament, Zelina hadn't won a match at all in WWE, not just in 2021. But she hadn't won a match the last, let's see. Zelina only had one victory since. Wow, this is even worse than I thought. So before the Queen's Crown Tournament, Zelina Vega had beaten Liv Morgan on September 24th. Before that, she hadn't won a match since November 4th, 2019. And that was a tag team match where she teamed up with Andrade. It was a mixed tag against Carolina and Sin Cara. She hadn't won a singles match Jesus freaking Christ she remember never won a singles match in WWE Hold on Zelina Vega okay so before the Queen's Crown tournament and before the match in September of this year Zelina Vega hadn't won a singles match since August 7th 2018 According to cagematch.net. And that's usually very accurate. And if, unless I'm overlooking something. She, her, wow. And that was against Lana. 
where she won that match. Beat Lana in 2018. Other than that, she has not won. Yep, yeah, nope. Lost to Carmella, lost to Carmella, lost to Carmella, lost to Mixed Tag, lost to Mixed Tag. Lost to Bianca, lost to Bianca. No contest against Bianca. He's lost to Ember Moon in 2019. Yeah, nope. Like, if we go through this, we could probably say that Zelina before the tournament had like four wins in the last four to five years. That's wild. But she's your queen. And we don't know if they're going to do another one of these tournaments next year or not. Because if you think about it, WWE, they did the last King of the Ring in 2019. Didn't do one last year. And before that, I don't even remember. I'd have to look it up. But yeah, Zelina is the queen. Not much more to say about it. They showed footage of opening season for Re in Riyadh. Riyadh opening season. And then we got No Holds Barred. Balls count anywhere. Goldberg versus Bobby Lashley. Because the bell rang. Lashley revealed. Did a chain in his pants. He pulls the chain up out of his drawers. Wraps it around his hands. And Goldberg attacks. Goldberg attacks. But eventually is stopped with shots from the chain. And about 45 to 50 seconds into this match, Goldberg goes... And he's bleeding from the head. Not a lot, but what the fuck? Did one of them shots with the chain catch him? I think it might. If so, that wasn't his fault. So as we're going in this match, like I said, Lashley's using the chain to punch. Um... Where was I? I lost my my spot here. Uh, Lashley took out a chair at one point and struck Goldberg with it. Lashley then took out a table while also working on Goldberg's knee with some chop blocks. Lashley wrapped Goldberg's leg around a chair and stomped it. Goldberg crawled near the table that was propped up in the corner. Lashley went for a spear, but Goldberg dodged and Lashley ran through the table. Goldberg would then hit his spear. Then, despite having his leg worked over, hit a jackhammer like he was perfectly fine. Like, he was selling the knee before the spear, hit the spear, and all of a sudden the spear cured him. He hits a jackhammer. But instead of going for the pin, Goldberg simply got up and waited for Lashley to recover. Goldberg then hit a spear that sent Lashley through the barricade at the announce desk, over by the announce desk, the timekeeper's area. And as, I don't know what happened here, but as Lashley comes back for the spear, you know, Falls back, all here, looked all bloodied up, and I don't know why. So they're fighting, and Goldberg took Lashley and put him on the steel steps. He then raised the other side of the steel steps over his head and went to crash him down on Lashley, but Lashley moved. I guess he was going to squish him like a bug. Lashley started to leave as Goldberg stalked him up the ramp. And this is when the Hurt Business came out. They came out with kendo sticks, also giving one to Bobby. Goldberg quickly dispatched to both Shelton and Cedric and grabbed one of the kendo sticks. Goldberg then laid out Lashley with the kendo stick shot before breaking the kendo stick over his knee. As Lashley slowly, and I mean slowly, got to his feet, well, 
he was met with a spear off of the stage. And this isn't just like a flat stage or anything. Good elevated stage up at least seven feet, maybe. Maybe higher. But Lashley was speared off of the stage by Goldberg. They go crashing through tables and whatnot down below. And Goldberg pins him one, two, three. And then showed Lashley walking off to say, hey, Goldberg may have won, but Lashley was able to leave on his own. Can't keep the big man down. I'm going to ban this jabroni. Thank you, sir. You're gone. <clears throat> so we got commercials for the upcoming for upcoming things on the WWE Network of Peacock, like pay-per-views and shows and this and that and cool. But then got the King of the Ring tournament. King of the Ring tournament finals, that is. It was a good fast-paced match. It was it was Xavier Woods against Finn Balor. Let me pull something up here really quickly I wanted to look at. So, the women's match went 5 minutes and 50 seconds. This match went 9 minutes and 40 seconds. I saw somebody uh, ask. So the two went back and forth early on. And Woods started to build a little momentum. Sending Balor into the, into the ropes and connecting with a drop kick. Balor countered a Tornado DDT and hit a double foot stomp. Balor hit a sling blade, but Woods connected with a super kick for a near fall. Balor then hammered Woods with elbow strikes, but Woods followed this up with a roll-up for a near fall. Balor kicked Woods and went to the top rope, but Woods met him up there and hit him with a superplex. Woods would follow this up with a springboard elbow, but Balor countered, hit a sling blade, and went for the coup de gras. Woods escaped and rolled up Balor again for another near fall. Woods hit an enziguri and a gut buster for yet another close near fall. Woods would finally be able to hit that springboard elbow and pin Finn Balor to pick up the victory. So yes, Xavier Woods gets to live his lifelong dream of being the king. King of the ring, that is. He goes up, grabs the scepter, puts on the crown, tries to put the cape on, but the cape won't stay. And he goes, ah, screw it. If the cape falls off, it falls off. It's falling off. I'm the king. And I loved it. I loved it. You can tell how happy this guy was. It was just phenomenal. And no, I don't think this was a burial of Finn Balor or that Finn is dead. No, he's going to go to Raw and he's probably going to challenge for the damn U.S. title. Finn will be fine. Next up, speaking of the new day, it's Big E and Drew McIntyre. Also, I forgot to mention, they did it for him as well. All hail King Xavier. All hail King Xavier. It would have been great if they had Charmel record those. So we heard Charmel. All hail Queen Selena. Because you got to love the, 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 the freaking... 
I, I just I, I loved King Booker and Queen Charmel back in the day. I absolutely absolutely adored them. And when she would do the all the whole all hail Queen or King Booker, I loved it. I thought it was such a fucking heel thing, and it was great heat and everything. It was it was I loved it. Next up, we had Big E versus Drew McIntyre with the WWE Championship on the line. This is a really good match, but it was like, I know who's winning. I know who's winning. It was just way too obvious, and so it was kind of like, I know the match is going to be good, but I kind of went into it with, eh, McIntyre's going to lose and go to SmackDown. McIntyre started off with the early advantage, grabbing the shoulder of Big E. Big E did get some control and connected when he Hit his chest right up against Drew's chest. McIntyre rolled to the outside, and Big E went after him. But McIntyre hit him with a giant belly-to-belly suplex on the floor. He soon followed this up with a spine buster. Big E fought back with some suplexes, but McIntyre fired back with some of his own. He hit a reverse cutter, and Big E countered the Future Shock DDT with another belly-to-belly suplex. Big E went for the big ending, but McIntyre fought back, hitting a Michinoku driver for a near fall. Big E then hit Uranagi, but Drew connected with that Future Shock DDT. McIntyre went for a Claymore, and Big E countered with a Powerbomb, then locked on a Stretch Muffler. McIntyre would eventually escape, but walked into Big E's big ending for a two. He went for the big ending off the top rope, and McIntyre countered it with a Bulldog off the top for a near fall. After avoiding another Claymore attempt, Big E, in fact, walked right into a Claymore. He like... Mr. Claymore got up, turned around, boom, Claymore. Great, great near fall at like 2.8, 2.9. McIntyre then went for a big ending of his own, but Big E countered it and hit a big old big ending of his own to pick up the victory and pin the former WWE champion. And then Corey Graves has to go, well, you know, McIntyre's had his sights on that WWE championship, and one day he will have his moment at the top. Fucking Corey out here talking like he's not a two-time WWE champion. Like, are you kidding me? Corey Graves out here talking like Drew was not the champion this time last year. Saying that he will one day finally get to... He literally said he will one day finally get to experience his time on the top. Bro, he did earlier this year. We went into the year with Drew McIntyre as the champion. So it's like... I get what you're trying to get at, but it was just short-sighted by saying it because it's like saying that he's never been the champion, but saying that he'll get the title back eventually, but it, no, it just didn't. It wasn't a good line. Next up, we have the triple threat. It was Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks challenging Becky Lynch for the SmackDown Women's Championship. And you could say, oh, did you go into this match knowing who was going to win too? Yes and no. We knew Sasha wasn't winning. I was... Pretty sure Becky would win, but I thought there was that slight off chance that they'd swerve us and Bianca wins the belt since, you know, they need somebody from Raw to win it. And I thought the match itself was pretty dang good, but there were moments that really just pulled me out of this. And I've said it before, I'm not an advocate of someone's got to just stand there and wait for the other people or other person to get in position and then you do your move or you wait for them to do the move to you. And there was a lot of that here because they wanted to do creative spots with all three women at once, and we got like three or four of them. But it's just like, 
there was one spot where Bianca picked up Sasha for something. No, Sasha, Bianca had Becky lifted up, and so then they had to stand there and wait for Sasha to climb to the top rope before she jumped off the top rope onto both. The, it was still a little convoluted. They overbooked a couple things in this match, but as a whole, I thought the match itself was pretty dang good. Balor was, or Balor, Belair was taken out early as Lynch and Banks went back and forth. Bianca finally came back and got a torture rack on Banks, but Lynch, this is the spot I was talking about. She had um, Banks up in the torture rack, and she kind of like just stood there, didn't really rake it, no nothing. She just had her up on her shoulders, and then Becky comes flying off the top rope, knocks them both down with a drop kick. Lynch hit an exploder on Banks and continued to work on both until Lynch was caught by both Banks and Belair. They teamed up on her, and they gave her a buckle bomb. This is another weird spot where they, like, grabbed her, and they, like, cradled her, kind of. And she's like, we're friends. Aren't we all just friends? Can't we all just get along? And and then they buckle-bombed her. Yeah. Kind of like, eh. Banks hit three amigos, and Lynch came back and took out Banks. Belair hit a big delayed vertical suplex where she almost dropped Becky on her head. Because there was a spot where it's like, this is another weird one. So it was Bianca standing in the ring. And Sasha like does a f- sunset flip over Bianca, lands on her back. So she's now laying under the legs of Bianca as Bianca's standing there. So Becky then runs at Bianca. She picks up Becky in a suplex position and holds her up while Sasha's just laying on the floor. And Sasha kind of grabs at the leg of Bianca. Bianca then moves to the side, kicks Sasha, almost drops Becky, then irks Becky back up, and then just goes, I got to get this suplex over with, and falls back. Again, they did a little too many moves that were just a little too overbooked and convoluted. But again, as a whole, I enjoyed the match. She hits the suplex, but Lynch... And Banks somehow teamed up right after this to take Belair out with a double bank statement, disarm her spot. Banks had Lynch locked in with the bank statement as Belair crashed into them with a springboard move, covering both of them for a near fall. Lynch broke up a pin attempt at one point by Belair, uh, by a pinfall attempt, a pin attempt of Belair, and hit the manhandle slam on Banks, but Belair broke up that pin. Lynch went for a manhandle slam on Belair, but Banks made it to the apron. To break it, Banks then took Belair to the floor, and the two wrestled for control. Lynch then took out both when they came back into the ring. Well, actually, took out both on the outside and then threw Belair into the ring. Lynch then went for the disarm her, but Banks jumped in as well, tried to break it up. So, basically, Becky had both women into the disarm her, and as she's doing so, she technically has Becky on her shoulders for the disarm her, and Sasha's on her back, and she stands up with both of them. Then hits a KOD on Becky. Banks and Belair fought over who was going to pin her. Banks then jumps in, and, well, Lynch rolls her up. And because it's triple threat, no DQ, no rope breaks, no nothing, she grabs the ropes for leverage. They're shaking, they're shaking. One, two, three. Becky retains by using the bottom rope for leverage. And I'm like, hey, it's a triple threat. You take whatever advantage you have, whether it's cheap or not. Bianca's pushed really hard that 
the Raw Women's Champions now on SmackDown, and the SmackDown Women's Champions now on Raw. And I go, yeah, so we've seen this before. You're just going to swap the belts. No biggie. No biggie at all. So then we move on to our main event. This match humped, and it humped hard. I really like this match. But as soon as I saw that it was Charles Robinson, and I'm like, oh, Charles Robinson getting knocked out. Ref bump. Something's happening. Because Charles Robinson, great referee. But whenever he's in a main event, 99% of the time when he's in a big main event like this, he's getting bumped. He's taking that big bump. So the two exchange strikes early. Lesnar went for a German, but Roman grabbed the turnbuckle to block it. Lesnar got it, though, after a second attempt, and they said, oh, suplex number one as Reigns has been brought to suplex city. Lesnar took Reigns to the outside, but Reigns threw him into the ring post. Reigns entered back into the ring. He laid out, then laid out Lesnar with a Superman punch when Lesnar attempted to re-enter the ring. Reigns then hit a giant plancha. Just fucking dove over the top rope. Looked like he cracked the top of his head on the barricade, and both men just laid there for a moment like, oh, that was a big one. I thought Roman was going to freaking jump over the barricade the way he jumped this. Like, he had momentum for days. Reigns hits a spear, but Lesnar kicks out of two back in the ring. Lesnar hit another Superman. Uh, Lesnar hits a Superman punch, and then a third. Lesnar leapfrogs over Reigns as Reigns wins for a spear and crashed into the turnbuckle. Lesnar came back with a German suplex, then another. Lesnar went for an F5 and connected, but Reigns knocked him out at two. Lesnar then went for a second F5. And as he was about to throw Roman over, Roman lands on his feet. Boom. Kex with the guillotine. He was trying to choke out Brock, but Brock fought out of it and hit a mighty looking spine buster. A mighty looking spine buster. Lesnar then hits the F5. But as he does so, he literally is, as he's throwing Roman down, he throws Roman into Charles Robinson, lays out the ref. He goes for the pin, didn't realize ref was out. One, two, three, we're counting four, counting five, six, seven. He finally gets pissed off. And he goes, Roman's, Roman's had it. I mean, Reigns has had it. Lesnar's had it. And he turns around because he's, you know, distracted by the ref and boom. Takes a spear. Both men are laying in the ring. Cameron cuts over to Heyman as he's cuddling the Universal title. He's sitting there. Looks at the belt. He looks at Brock. He looks at Roman. He looks at Brock. He looks at Roman. He then throws the belt into the ring between the two men and just yells, you know what to do with this. Do it. Doesn't look at anybody specifically. Just looks at the belt. Doesn't say anybody's name specifically. And the camera's panned right on Brock. And so Brock reaches over for the belt. And as he goes to pull it, Roman grabs the belt. And they play a little tug-of-war. As they're playing tug-of-war, Brock yerks the belt out of Roman's hand. And there's the Usos standing behind him. He turns around, gets super kicked in the mouth. Reigns then uses the belt as the second referee runs down. One, two, three, Roman. Retains the universal title. Heyman leaves with Roman Reigns. But 
But here's the thing. We still don't know if Roman was always telling, or Paul was always telling Roman the truth, or if he only left with Roman because Roman won. Would he have left with Brock if Brock won? Because he said on the pre-show, tonight, I will be walking in with the reigning, defending, universal champion, the tribal chief, Roman Reigns. And I will be walking out of Crown Jewel with the reigning, defending, universal champion. But never gave a name. Then when he said, you know what to do with the belt, use it. Never said to who he was speaking to through the belt between the two men. So the question still arises. Who is Paul Heyman's real alliance with? Who is his real allegiance with? We still technically don't know. A lot of people are going to say, well, Roman, he left with Roman. No, he left with Roman all because Roman won. If Brock would have won, would he have left with Brock? Probably. But was he there trying to help Brock and Roman just won? Or was he always there for the tribal chief? We don't know. We still don't know. And it's like some people are going to say, oh, well, there's extending this even longer. Yeah, because it's the best thing they have going, and I still like it. If, if As long as they can come up with some more creative ways to do the whole, oh, you're on my side, right, with, with Roman, then I'm all for extending this. So we'll see how they do it. We got SmackDown tomorrow. Hopefully everybody can make it back in time. I haven't heard if they've left yet out of uh, Saudi Arabia or not, but I know at least Roman should be able to make it back on time. He knew Usos, and I assume Heyman probably, maybe, had their own private jet. I know Heyman, or I know Roman and the Usos had their own jet. Roman and the Usos had their own jet. Brock had his own jet. Vince had his own jet. And probably Undertaker as well. Everybody else on a charter flight. But with that, guys, that was Crown Jewel, or as Pat McAfee would call it, Crown Jewel. I thought overall we had a hell of a show. I thought the show was fantastic. I loved basically everything. And now you know what I think. I want to know what you think. We got the polls. We got the text messages. Remember, text into 510-906-1341. Again, that's 510-906-1341. I do want to say thank you to Jack Dawson in the YouTube chat for the super sticker. Really do appreciate that. That money will be going to a good cause. But as we look at the polls first, 83% of you on Twitch liked tonight's or today's show. Where 17% didn't like the show and nobody thought it was just all right. As far as the YouTube poll does go, 71% liked it. 22% thought it was just all right. And 6% didn't like the show. So as we pull up the text messages here, da, 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 it always wants to freeze. Always wants to freeze. There we go. Um, This person here says, what are your thoughts on Xavier Woods becoming King of the Ring? Well, as I said earlier, I thought it was the right move. I liked it. I really, really, really liked that Xavier Woods won. I thought it would have been interesting if they could have they could have done this. And I think I said this in my predictions. They could have used this to turn Finn, Finn Balor from the prince to the king and do a heel turn. 
I still think maybe they should do a heel turn, do something different with him. Especially, say he wants to go for the U.S. title on, on Raw. Turn him heel and have him go against Damian Priest. Damian Priest's Finn Balor matches would be awesome. So here's the thing. I didn't realize this until after the show was over. But here's a good, good, good uh, text message. It says, correct me if I'm wrong, but during the Crown Jewel pre-show, didn't, say, uh, didn't they say, notice qualification between Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns? Yes. But then apparently they said that and then came back towards the end of the pre-show and said, both men don't care about this, whether it's no DQ or not. So it's just a regular match. No DQ is no longer on the match. So I didn't catch that. Someone corrected me later on when I said something about it being no DQ. So I don't know. Um, I have no clue because I didn't see that Tony Khan responded to Eric Bischoff. It says, do you think that WWE let the cat out of the bag by letting Woods and Vega wearing the... I don't think that was prior. Oh, you mean on Raw? No. I don't think it was letting the cat out of the bag. Those were the predictions anyways of most people. Most people thought it was going to be Zelina Vega... And Xavier Woods winning. So, no, I don't think they let the cat out of the bag or foreshadowed or or gave away the, the result with doing so. First, I uh, says, I enjoyed the show overall, but I was disappointed with the main event. I felt like it was the same old Reigns-Lesnar matchup until the finish. Reigns needs to start winning clean. But I get it since, since they will likely be having a rematch. Last word I heard was this is your WrestleMania main event for next year. Most likely. First says, you think tomorrow night Becky and Charlotte will swap belts to build the to Survivor Series after that? Probably. I mean, it's probably going to be Becky versus Charlotte at Survivor Series champion versus champion. Versus says, who has enough forcing? Forcity? Ferocity. There we go. Ferocity. To end the reign. Reign of terror of Roman Reigns. Maybe Brock at WrestleMania next year. Maybe he holds the title all the way to 2023 and loses it to The Rock, Dwayne Johnson. I don't know. Uh, Sean Mack, no need for you to put the results in the chat. We literally just went over the entire show, guy. I'm going to start timing you out because, yeah, we don't need that. The person says, do you see Brock implied? Did you see Brock implied that he goes to be, gets to be at SmackDown? It's on the WWE. No. As soon as the show ended, I had to go pick up my kids from school. I can go look at the WWE Instagram, though. Go to WWE. So, according to the WWE Instagram account, it states, when Brock Lesnar was leaving Saudi Arabia, Brock was quoted by saying, quote, the moment I arrive at SmackDown, I will beat Roman Reigns senseless. Now, you can take that a couple of different ways. You can take that as Brock's showing up tomorrow or Brock will show up eventually in the future. We don't know when he's going to show up on SmackDown. Could be tomorrow, could be next week, could be in January. We don't know. And last text message says, really turned Finn heel again. He was a heel before he came up again. Well, 
If you talk about his NXT run, I don't think he was a full heel. He did heel things. Like when he took on Kyle O'Reilly, he had to be the heel in those matches. But like when he faced Karrion Cross and all that stuff, he was the babyface. So we'll see how it goes. I think they should turn Finn. Finn can challenge Damian Priest for that U.S. title, and they can have some bangers. But with that, guys, I want to say thank you for joining me here. Twitch.tv forward slash PW Unlimited. YouTube.com forward slash Pro Wrestling Unlimited. And Twitter.com forward slash PW Unlimited. As well, we talk about Crown Jewel. I thought this was a way better show than it had any right to be. They stacked this show, and they told us basically, hey, we know how to put on great shows. We just don't a lot of times. Like, how do they put on such good shows here and... Like, we've seen recently other really good shows, but then most weeks it's just like, eh, we're not going to try. I don't get it. I don't get it at all because we see the spurts of greatness, and then they don't give it to us often. So, we'll see how it all does go. We've got SmackDown tomorrow. I want to say thank you for watching. Have a good day. Have a good night. Have a great Thursday, Friday. I'll see you back here tomorrow for Friday Night SmackDown. Have a good one.